Welcome to the Apple Insider Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Robles, and today we're going to go in-depth on the Apple Watch Ultra. I've been using it for a number of days, got some thoughts, also AirPods Pro 2 review, and even some rumors, yes, that's right, about the iPhone 15. <laughs> That'll be at the end of the show. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Magic Lasso Adblock Beard Club and Fast Growing Trees. You'll hear about them in a moment. And joining me is my good friend across the pond, far away from any hurricane, William Gallagher. How's it going, William? Yeah, I, I was actually concerned about what it was like where I am. You know, uh, new chancellor destroys the pound, uh, spends a lot of money mm. borrowing money, and then manages to double the cost of his own borrow. You know, things like that. But then I see your Twitter feed, and it looks to me like first you bought an Apple Watch Ultra because you keep bashing your original Apple Watch. Yes, and now, in doorways. Yes. Not having tested it enough, you're bringing a <laughs> hurricane to your home. <sighs> Yes, uh, this first part of the show is going to be all inside baseball, listener. We are recording a little early this week. William has so graciously joined me early because I am currently directly in the path of Hurricane Ian here in Florida. Apparently, it's the first time in a century or so that a big hurricane has come up the west coast of Florida to hit Tampa directly. I'm not in Tampa. I'm a little northeast of Tampa, but every few hours I'm checking the National Hurricane Center path and seeing where it is. I joke. You know, Floridians, if you've lived here for long enough, it's like, oh, hurricane, you know, I'll, I'll put my lawn chairs inside or something like no big deal. It's rain with a name is a common quip among Floridians like yeah, hurricane, no big deal. And then once that cone of uncertainty crosses into your direct line and it says mm, this is going to be a category three or four direct hit, then it's like, OK, well, let's uh, let's get some water in jars and let's prepare. So that's where I'm at. And so I cavalierly tweeted, oh, yeah, can't wait to test Apple Watch Ultra. In hurricane conditions, hardy har. And now I'm like, that, that was premature. That was hashtag too soon. Mm. I shouldn't have done that. i got to pick up on that word graciously, that I am graciously speaking to you. I, I actually, I don't do anything else. I sit here for two weeks waiting for you to talk to, hoping for some human contact. And then I get it for just this little <laughs> while. At this time, I've actually got it courtesy of you because after all these, is it years now, of suggesting yeah, you might send years. me your spare MacBook Pros and iPads, mm -hmm, you've actually mm -hmm. bought me a microphone. And I'm, I'm terribly grateful. Um, thank you very much. And But yeah, yeah, it's me being gracious to you. That's what it is. Absolutely. Yeah, let's go with that one. Sure. Yeah. Well, you're very welcome. And I hope maybe our listeners let us know how you think William sounds. He's using an Audio-Technica ATR 2100X. Can I point out that, that this record just appears in the post yes. one day. Wasn't wrapped in a Ted Lasso blanket, didn't have any kind of notice at all. Nope. The amount of time I went searching through emails, like, have I asked for this? Have I bought this? Is it a birthday <laughs> present I didn't know about? It might be the second time I've sent something to you and forgot to tell you it was coming. And then I really, I got the delivery notification and I was like, oh shoot, William's going to wonder what this mysterious package is. He might bring this to the authorities and see, uh, have them x-ray it or something. I said, oh no. And, uh, but then I, after I guess you went yeah. feverishly looking for sponsorship uh, emails, you really, I sent you a message. Yeah. I was, I was two seconds away from selling it on eBay and then I found out <laughs> it was from you and I thought, you know. <laughs> yes. Well, you're welcome. And thank you for doing this early. And so uh, listeners, if there's any news that breaks between the recording and the publishing of this episode. So I'll try to insert it as power allows, at least uh, this week here in Florida. But oh. uh, thank you for your concern. And now I'll, I'll tweet updates. Oh, actually, why don't we prepare for this? So <clears throat> fantastic that the Apple car has been announced. Didn't see that coming. Um, Ideal. Just just record some reactions for me uh, yeah. solo, and then uh, I'll insert them as needed. Laughs. Tim Cook replaced by Russell T. Davis? <laughs> 
Okay. I don't, I don't even know that reference. Who is that? Okay. Russell T. Davis, yeah, brought back Doctor Who. And it's oh, like, okay, uh, astoundingly strong writer oh, here in the okay, UK. or what? But there you go. All <laughs> right. Well, well, we'll get to some Apple stuff. And so, yes, thank you for your graciousness, William, and listeners. And we're going to talk about Apple Watch Ultra, iOS 16, and all that. Real quick, we had a bunch of other gracious things, five-star reviews from our listeners. So I'm going to run through real quick. M. Hopman 31 from the USA, Roger K. from the USA, Rolanis from Dubai, the United Arab Emirates. Welcome. Hiram921 from the USA. He asked about AirPods Pro 2, and I'm going to talk about those specifically in this episode. Gimme Scotch from USA. I thought that might have been you, William, but I didn't know your preference. Was that you? Right. Don't drink and in the wrong country, but I see where you went there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. okay. Very good. Toby the Pizza Man from Canada. Oh. I really hope you deliver pizzas because, I mean, that's that's a great name. That's it. Yeah. Or maybe you just like pizza. Either way. Mm. That's great. I am the Giho from Australia. Serial crystallographer from France. Wow. Is that a thing? What is a crystallographer? Uh, yeah. They do things serially, I understand. And, right. Um, a cartographer makes maps. Yeah. So maybe a crystallographer makes uh, salt. Don't, don't do this. Oh. Don't do. This. We've gone down rabbit holes with sport and things before. We can't oh, do the right. same that's to right. science. Right. No, no. Yeah. no. Okay. <laughs> okay. Very good. And finally, uh, Mountaineer City Joe from USA or MTR City Joe. I don't know why I said Mountaineer. I don't know why I thought that stood for Mountaineer, but MTR City Joe from the USA. Thank you. Wait, nobody from the UK this time. Nobody from the UK. You know, now last week, Wes was on the show, but we actually had a listener who was Malcolm Haro. He is a Brit, but lives in Hong Kong. But but he rated it to let you know, William, there are still Brits out there who have yet to review it. And so this is a call to <sighs> all the uh, those in the UK, and even if you are from the UK, but are living elsewhere in the world, it's time to give us a five-star rating. That's all. Okay. That's from William. William says that specifically. And I didn't even have to open my mouth. It's amazing. That's right. Okay. <laughs> That's right. Okay. Real quick, we actually had an article on the website, most likely due to Hurricane Ian, about building an emergency tech kit. So as far as what you should gather in case of a power outage or other things, being in Florida, I've done things like this before. I typically take the opportunity, if there's even a risk of a hurricane, to buy something from Mophie or Anchor, some other battery pack I probably don't need at the moment. But at least in my situation this week, I'm glad I have multiple of them. And I don't know in the UK, William, if you've ever had weather situations, but do you ever have like tech kit or external batteries prepared in case of power outages? Well, I'm looking at a shelf here and I have four old um, Anker and Mophie batteries that I've used over the years. Uh, they've been great when I've been traveling, but nothing in an emergency. My version of an emergency kit was when I used to do a lot of presentations in offices and things like that. And my kit would be that I'd bring my own projector sometimes, uh -huh. but also lots of spare cables and things like that. That was my emergency grab bag thing. But nothing for... It's all over. Mind you, the way uh, utilities are going in the UK at the moment, I'm going to... Listen, you talk while I just charge up some batteries for me. <laughs> right. And that's what I'm doing. I mean, I have multiple from like Mophie and Anchor, not to mention things like the MagSafe battery pack. So I'll be charging all of those up. But in situations like these, I mean, I will charge any external battery I've had from any time. So hmm. my away suitcase that came with a battery inside. It charges with micro USB and only has USB-A ports, but doesn't matter. Just charge everything possible. And I, I tweeted out a question because I had heard of these products. I think we might've even done a roundup a while ago, but the company is called Jackery, J-A-C-K-E-R-Y. And they make very large batteries that could charge you know, a laptop many times, charge phones, even run some home oh, yeah. appliances, probably not a refrigerator. But the Jackery ones, you can buy, I mean, all the way up to thousands of dollars, these massive batteries. 
and even get solar panels that charge the batteries. So on Twitter, I asked if anybody had experience. They'd, there were a couple that reached out and said, yes, they're really good. Love mine. Some got some overnighted, at least here other listeners in Florida. But if you listeners have experience with Jackery or a similar large battery, I'd be curious your experience because they look pretty attractive in times like these. All right, let's get to iOS 16 because there's some things that have come out recently and listeners pointed out other features that maybe we missed. We've been living with iOS 16 now for over two weeks, at least on my iPhone 14 Pro. Oh, by the way, <laughs> William, did you uh, lose your willpower and by any chance happen to buy like a 14 Pro while I wasn't looking? No, it came oh, close yeah. again. Um, okay. And I'm wondering okay. actually if it was an iOS 16 bug, but um, I used Filmic Pro uh, to shoot some things. And for the first time ever on my iPhone 13 Pro, it dropped two frames during the recording. Wow. And so, and, and I couldn't remount it. I had to do a kind of cutaway. <laughs> I filmed something else to do it for it. But that was, yeah, I'm, <sighs> frames dropped in Final Cut Pro, you can cope with frames on the recording were bad and i started thinking dreaming about that 48 megapixel mm -hmm. camera mm -hmm. that i probably couldn't use or the cinematic pro stuff that now in 4k on the 14 pro that's yes that's that's calling to me it, it is i mean it, from the examples i've seen it's very good i will say when it comes to ios 16 and bugs the camera has definitely been one of the biggest sufferers of ios 16 bugs lots of people reporting camera shakes mm. where they'll open the camera app on their 14 or 14 pro and it's just violently shaking the image and it's unusable for a few moments a cinematic video if recorded in ios 16 may or may not open if you bring it into final cut so there's a bug there so overall there's lots of bugs this feels like one of the more buggy yeah. main point zero releases in a while. We already have 16.0.1, I believe. Do we have 0.0.2? Oh, yeah, 16.0.2 has already come out for the iPhone, at least. So you might want to update to that, maybe fixes some bugs, yeah. but there's still lots out there. So we might have to wait till 16.1 for a lot of these to be addressed. I've had lots of people emailing and Twitter DMing me about issues they're having, even with like their home stuff. I would say just hold out for some more updates. I imagine there's going to be a 0.3 update soon. And then the major 0.1 probably coming next month for mm. the big updates. But a couple features I forgot, and that is kind of hidden if people don't realize, in the weather app in iOS 16, Fozzie Bear on Twitter actually reminded me of this. But if you go into the temperature or precipitation map, like you expand it when you're looking at a specific city, you can actually view an hour by hour yeah. forecast now. And so you can see precipitation by hour, temperature by hour, and all of that is in the built-in weather app. And if you recall, Dark Sky, which Apple purchased, is being incorporated more and more into the stock weather app. And I actually had some listeners reach out because they still use the Dark Sky app and have been getting messages that the app is going to no longer be supported or even run. I forget when it is. It might be July 23 or it's coming soon-ish. Mm. So if you still use the Dark Sky app, you might want to start moving over to the stock weather app, which has a lot of the features now. Even the radar and precipitation maps look very reminiscent of Dark Sky. I mean, again, Apple bought it and incorporated it into the weather app, but you might want to look at that. Or if you really want to get into third-party weather apps, a lot of people love Carrot Weather and things like that. What do you use, William? Are you just a stock weather guy? Um, I was a dark sky guy, and I've moved over to the weather app. Carrot stuff, I mean, the thing about Carrot is, uh, I, before I can get to the accuracy of it, and I understand it's very good, you have to get through this um, uh, rudeness factor or whatever. You can choose. <laughs> yeah, The snark level. And, yeah, all right, that amuses me for a pixel of a second. But after that, <laughs> I just want to know the weather, you know. So, well, you can you can crank that all the way down. You could say, "Give me zero snark," right? And it'll just but then, give you the way. Does it become obsequious? 
Oh, wow, that's a that's a big word for this morning. Uh, but yeah, that's sure. I could just see it saying, how gracious of you to ask me for the weather. The weather, William, is... <laughs> that's still snarky. No, that's still snarky. It does, it does not do that. It, it remo- I've tried it, and it removes all snark. It just gives you the plain, partly cloudy, 73, you know, whatever that... In the Cupertino weather that happens in every, you know, demo. It's pretty good. I stick to the stock weather app, though, now that it's incorporated the dark sky features. I find its precipitation notifications to be very accurate, like dark sky was. And now it has the radar built in. You can look at the map, see the precipitation. I do wish in times like these, if you expanded the map outside of your country, I wish it would still pull in the precipitation. It, like, cuts off. And like once you go too far south of Florida, if you like pinching out, it just doesn't give you precipitation. And so right now I see like the top of Hurricane Ian and then it just kind of disappears. So I feel like other weather apps, like if you go to the Weather Channel app, it gives you radar wherever you want. You can keep zooming out. And I imagine Apple offers weather everywhere, mm. at least you can, everywhere you can get an iPhone. So I just wish it did that. It does differ. I mean, I wish the UK had such accurate mm. precipitation things. It's like the iPhone thinks it has. So I will get rain starting in 13 minutes, stopping 15 after that. But it isn't right. It's uh, uh, The US just seems to have more weather stations than the UK does. Or admittedly, uh, in comparison to the US anyway, the UK is more of a microclimate. So things do change quite a lot it must be harder to predict but um mm. it'd be very nice to know. i i came out of a supermarket and it was just like you'd need a snorkel more than you need an umbrella it was so bad and yeah. everybody else was standing around me going well we better wait out for this and i was kind of in a hurry but also weather was saying it was going to rain like that for the next hour and a half i thought oh well and i washed off and i got wet and i got soaked and i got a cold and by the time i got home three minutes later it was stopped oh <laughs> That's that's bad. Yes, that's a little frustrating. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm curious. I'm curious how the accuracy works. I'm sure it has to pull from different data sources yeah. in different parts of the world. So I would love if uh, I mean I've never realized I've never asked anybody else in the UK uh, how it is for them. I've just, for all that we're supposed to talk about the weather a lot in Britain, I never get round to it on this. <laughs> uh, if there's some possibility that I'm just doing something wrong, that I've lent on a button or something, I would so like to be corrected and told how to make this better. And that's actually an interesting point. I had a reader reach out talking about background location services for system things. And so the weather on your iPhone, it's different as far as your privacy and location. So if you go to your settings app and you go to privacy and security, and then you go to location services, you'll see all the individual apps that either have access location in the last 24 hours, and you can specify what access they have. You can do next time I open or when I share something or always. And then you also have the precise location toggle where you can choose to share your precise location or just kind of a general area. And the weather app, If you want that super accurate data, you might want to choose precise location and always for that application. The weather app has a couple other options. There's actually while using the app or widgets. And so you can specify that if you don't want it accessing your location whenever it wants. You could say only when I open the app or when I'm interacting with the widgets when they're live on screen, even the lock screen. So you can choose that. I have it set to always and precise location just for the stock weather app. And that's been pretty accurate for me. You excited me there. I followed through, as you said. I went through the settings and, yes. yeah, always and precise already on. Uh, so now it's personal. That's what it is. It's a, now yeah. it's personal. Mm. Well, and there's other uh, specific UK slights on Apple devices we're going to get to in a second. But last thing for iOS 16, I had forgotten 
One of the features is share play in messages and screen time requests in messages. I have a feeling that screen time requests is not active yet because I get lots of screen time requests from my kids all the time. Everyone's running iOS 16 and even the beta on my son's iPad, but I'm not getting those requests in messages. So I imagine that's coming in 16.1. But SharePlane messages also launched. And I have to be honest, William, this is uh, as an Apple journalist podcaster, I, I should probably have tested this, but I don't think I have ever tried SharePlane ever. Have you ever tried SharePlay? No, and, and I, I won't. They might as well. I think Apple just pretends the feature exists because who actually <laughs> wants to watch? You're watching a film. I mean, an amazing film. It's been worked on. So it's just such a craft of drama. And there in the corner is your best friend picking the nose all the way through. It's just, no. Um, actually, here in the UK, we have a show, called, an incredibly popular show called um, Gogglebox, which is an hour of you watching people watching television. And that's it. And they talk through it. <laughs> And I actually know somebody's got to work on it and she's very excited about it. And and I can't tell her, I can't tell her that I find that just unfathomable. Uh, plus, I also think it's encouraging people to talk through drama. So I've been with people now where they've suddenly said, oh, that means somebody's going to do this. Well, it's like it's so obvious that that's what's going to happen. Thank you for filling me in. And now we've missed a little bit. Sorry, rant. Actually, can I just walk <laughs> away for a few minutes, rant, and then come back, join you later? Yeah, yeah. I just hear you mumbling in the background. You mutter. Yes, okay. Yeah, I, I just have never tried it. I've talked about it. You know, sometimes because I also do a movie podcast and sometimes we're like, maybe we'll we'll share play. It's just so difficult to coordinate schedules with someone, especially if you're in different time zones. I've just never done it. Yeah. My wife has done it once. Oh, she did share play one time with a friend and it was fine. Uh. They watched it in sync. If one paused it, it would pause for both and they use the restroom or whatever. So oh. it does exist. It does work. Oh, suddenly the fact that you can wait, if you know the film already, you can wait for a key moment and then just pause it. <laughs> Yes. And walk out of Ah, oh, hands behind your head. Relax. Oh, yes. Okay, suddenly I get it. You can torture your fellow viewers by just pausing <laughs> at the worst possible moments. Yes. Uh, now William is going to try it uh, on his friends. Would you share play watching Ted Lasso with me? Never mind. We, you don't have to You'd be it. able to see how uh, attentively I was reading a book, wouldn't you? Okay. <laughs> You'll have a rival on in the background uh, on your iPad. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know how it would go. All right. My last question on iOS 16 for you, William, you know, we have lock screen widgets now, custom lock screens. You've had it for even longer because you've been doing the beta. I still am struggling to really figure out what widgets I like having on the lock screen. And one of it is, is placement if you have one large widget and two yeah. smaller squares, because I like having my next calendar event as a lock screen widget in that larger, you know, two space widget. But I've realized that you cannot move it to the right side of the lock screen. Like if you want to have the two space widget, like the next calendar event, if you try to tap and hold and drag it onto the right, like to the right of two smaller widgets, it refuses to let you do it. And if you try to drag little widgets on the left side, it won't do that. So it seems like a weird yeah. limitation on the layout. And sometimes if you have an event with a very short name and you have not shown the end time in the widget, it can be like a weird gap of space between the calendar event, next wow. calendar event, lock screen widget, and whatever little squares you have. So I've not found a perfect balance amongst all these lock screen widgets. Sometimes I'll just revert to three small squares, which then center. So you can actually have three right in the middle or even four because that feels like a symmetrical thing. But I can't get it to feel right with the next calendar event and two circle widgets. 
What do you think, William? What do you have as your lock screen widgets? Well, actually, before I have, that, I have a suggestion for you. Okay. Because everybody talks about the lock screen widgets as being the things under the clock. But actually, there's the line above the clock as well that defaults to the date and something else. Right. If you tap and hold on that, you can add your events in there. And it would be, I think, the... Uh, let me try it. Well, I have the date and my next event in it. But it's kind of centered... For it. I can't see how to take out the date uh, from it, but there might be a way. It, that just might avoid that kind of strange spacing problem. You've got, now I want to put this back to the way it was. What was it like before? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to send you a, a screenshot of what that looks like, because when I put my next event up there above the clock, yeah, it, it gets very crowded. Huh. I, I don't know. I, I'm not particularly fond of that. <laughs> I'm not particularly fond of that look, but I mean, I get it. Like you can do it. And you can put it above the clock. But you won't. No. No, I, I will not. You can do it with Fantastical or the built-in calendar app. You can put either or above the clock. But I just, I don't find that looks great. Yeah. But what I've learned now is what your next event is. That, oh, very interesting. Very mysterious. Okay. Let, let's not discuss that. But oh, now right. I, I just, <laughs> I just sent you that. Yes. <laughs> I just sent you that too. So, but what, so what? What are your lock screen widgets though? What do you prefer to have on there? Actually, quite similar to yours. I, for the top line, I have the date and the sun, sunrise, sunset bit. But under the clock, I have. Oh, actually, no, it's actually very different. Sorry, it looks the same. I have a double width one, which is the weather, and I'm not really that fussed about it because the accuracy, as I said, but also I use the wallpaper that's the animation, the current weather, so that kind of gives you what i need to know right. then the, the first of the two smallest one is a clock like yours but mine's for uh i'm here in the uk but i have a new york clock uh in the corner there and the last one i have an omnifocus um inbox tap that and you go straight to adding a task to that beloved wonderful task manager omnifocus yes yes i know it's your favorite listeners uh send us your lock screen widget layouts i would like to know i need some ideas some recommendations for that yeah same i'm very curious about it this episode is brought to you by our brand new sponsor, Beard Club. Listen, I personally have a beard. I love beards. I think lots of people love beards, and I think we like growing them or trying to grow one at least. And having a great looking beard does require some work. Whether it's beard growth oils, styling products, or top of the line trimmer, there's a small army of products required to grow your best beard. Luckily, Beard Club is here to help. As the leader in beard-first men's growth and grooming, Beard Club delivers quality hardware and consumables that'll help you get a better, thicker, and fuller-looking beard. I actually received the Beard Club Trimmer Deluxe Kit. Inside is the incredible beer and hair trimmer, the PT45. It had been a while since I invested in my own trimmer, but this thing takes the cake. It is incredible. I love the charging base. You just put it on there, starts charging wirelessly. You have multiple guards, and it is razor sharp. Helps me trim the beard and shape it just how I like. And one of my favorite products in that kit, I had not tried this before, but beard shampoo. Sometimes if you have kind of a wiry or difficult to manage beard, mine can kind of start sticking out here and there. I actually will use the beard shampoo from the Beard Club now and the brush, the beard brush that comes in the kit. And it actually really helps even it out, getting those hairs straight and not sticking out everywhere. I love this kit. Highly recommend. So head to beardclub.com slash appleinsider. I love that we have a URL from Beard Club. That's so good. So go to beardclub.com slash appleinsider. Take the beard quiz. Then use our promo code appleinsider at checkout. They'll recommend a grooming kit that's tailored to your beard's need. When you use things like the PT45 trimmer, there's no painful hair pulling. It is sturdy and has incredible battery life. And it's the same trimmer that NBA player James the Beard Harden uses. Yes, he's also an investor in the Beard Club. 
The growth kit also features sprays to strengthen and moisturize your beard hair oils and prime follicles for optimal growth and a derma roller that rejuvenates dormant hair follicles. So no matter what type of beard you have, Beard Club has the perfect kit to fit your needs. Beard Club has over 2 million beards served, including mine. Grow your best beard today and take 20% off your first order. That's a lot of percent off. When you go to beardclub.com slash appleinsider and use the promo code appleinsider, all one word, at checkout. That's beardclub.com slash appleinsider. Use the promo code appleinsider for 20% off your first order. Our thanks to Beard Club for sponsoring this episode. Uh, Before we get to Apple Watch Ultra, I do want to mention a listener, Anthony Burke. He's from the UK, actually. Uh, You might know him, William. I know a Janet Burke. I went to school with a Janet Burke. Oh, man. Could be related. I'll ask her about him. (laughs) He was actually going to buy an Apple Watch 8 and looked on the Apple website and saw that the Bluetooth listed under Apple Watch 8 was Bluetooth 5.0 in the UK, whereas models sold in the US had Bluetooth 5.3, newer version of Bluetooth, the hardware built in. And so Anthony actually took it upon himself to email Tim Cook himself. Mm. (laughs) He sent an email asking, what's the deal with the UK Bluetooth in Apple Watch Series 8? And Tim Cook did not respond, but Apple Senior Vice President Jeff Williams actually responded to him via email and said that the UK versions of the Series 8 does in fact have Bluetooth 5.3. The website had an error in its listing of 5.0. Jeff Williams said, thanks for letting us know. That's pretty nice. Good. Yeah. Yes. You guys don't have millimeter wave yeah, for sure. Yeah, we don't have millimeter but you have Bluetooth wave. 5.3. We don't have the Apple card. We don't have the Apple car. Yeah. Um, we have more expensive iPhone 14s. Right. Just at the time when our economy really can support more expensive iPhones. Yeah. One of the rumors was we might hear about Apple Card and other services launching elsewhere besides the US, and mm. that did not happen. There is no Apple Card anywhere including like Canada. Like it's just US only. And it's been a year and a half. Oh, more than that. Apple Card sharing was launched April in 2021. I want to say 2019 for the Apple Card. Oh. Is that even possible? Well, now this is going to require a quick Google. Apple Card launch. Yes. It launched August 20th, 2019. Good call, William. All right. Yes. Yeah. You Googled that. I'm going to use for from Alpha. How many days since August 20, 2019, given that we're That's recording right. a little early? Uh, the answer is the answer is 1,134 days from that launch to this recording. Yeah. So it's been a while. 2019, over three years, and it has not expanded. Yeah. Three years, one month, seven days, um, 162 <laughs> weeks. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Wolfram. I appreciate it. It's, it's a shame it has not come to more places. Was Maybe by the end of the year, which maybe we could just state it now. You know, we have... Three more months left to 2022, October, November, December, as we record. And we still have supposedly some other devices that are likely to launch. Mark Gurman sent out his Power On newsletter last Sunday saying that we should expect an M2 iPad Pro, possibly an M2 Mac Mini to launch before the end of the year. He says, though, we might not even get an event for those devices. Those devices just may launch via a press release, which if most of the story is just the updated chip, not much hardware differences would totally make sense. 
And there could be just other announcements throughout the rest of the year, but it could all be press releases. It could be Apple Card comes to more countries, maybe other services updates like Fitness Plus. I don't know. What do you think, William? Do you think we're still going to get another event or is it just going to be press releases from here on out? Well, I had thought press releases, but now I'm thinking you and I should record some more reaction shots oh, uh, yeah. to all of this because, you know. <laughs> it, a new Apple event has long... No, I'm not, I'm not, no, 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 no word of an Apple event. We'll, we'll see. I, and I imagine Apple... Probably wouldn't announce an event till at least the iPhone 14 Plus is on sale and launched and those reviews come out because that's still one of the devices we have not seen reviewed since the event early September. So the iPhone 14 Plus, I believe it is going to ship on October 7th. Uh, 7th, yeah. And you can pre-order it. So the pre-orders for the 14 Plus are actually already open. You have been able to order it, but it doesn't deliver until Friday, October 7th. That's the official launch day for the 14 Plus. So if you wanted it, you can pre-order now. I'm looking at a 128 gigabyte version in that light blue, and it still says delivering October 7th. So I imagine there is some stock of that phone available if you want it. I actually have a story from the Apple Store in their stock of devices also. We'll get to that at the end of the show. Oh, now you're just tantalizing. That's right. I, a, I wanted to go off and mutter again about the economy, and you're keeping me here waiting to <laughs> listen to this stuff. Okay, right. That's right. Well, let's quickly, I wanted to run through Apple Watch Ultra and my own thoughts because it's been several days having it and AirPods Pro 2. William, you can interrogate me uh, as we go if you have questions about these devices. Great. Yes, please. But did a little unboxing, really cool packaging for the Apple Watch Ultra. It discovered that depending on what band you ordered it with, your box design is different. And so I ordered mine with a white ocean band. Very nice band, same material as the Floor Elastomer Sport Loops and Solo Loops. And the box has some very provocative, like dark ocean background on the box. If you ordered the trail or alpine versions, your box shows either a mountain or trail. So very cool. The detail to packaging really like that. Now the Apple Watch Ultra, you know, taking it out of the box, obviously it was striking how much larger the case is to my Series 7, although not like crazy bigger. I mean, it, it is bigger, obviously, but it was not super surprising. And putting it on, it is very light because of the titanium. So it is comfortable to wear throughout the day. I did try to sleep with the Apple Watch at first with the ocean band that came with it. And I quickly realized the comfort level of the ocean band and probably some of the other Apple Watch ultra specific bands, they are not as comfortable as my solo loops. So quickly transitioned to the solo loops that I typically wear with my Apple Watch. And the comfort is, is really good. The crown guard is noticeable if it slides down my wrist and I'm doing something where my hand goes backwards or if I'm trying to sleep. It is a noticeably larger physical device. You could feel it pressing into the hand, at least for myself. So comfort level remains to be seen. I've been sleeping with it though just fine. And because of the great battery life, it's no problem doing it. When it comes to battery, I will say the first 24 hours, I charged it to full and had it at full at about 11 p.m. one night, took it off the charger, wore it to sleep, didn't charge it the next day. And that first 24 hour period, I did some swimming in a pool. I ran a workout. It was down to 27% battery after just 24 hours, which did not seem to match what many reviewers stated was this amazing battery life. So I chalked it up to maybe it was the initial setup. There was some background tasks going on. Possibly the dive app and swimming takes more battery for some reason. So the next 48 hours, I, I charged it again took it off the charger at 11 p.m., and then wore it for 48 hours straight. Never touched a charger for 48 hours, and it went from 100% 
to 28% after 48 hours. I did not run any workouts during that time, but that was much more uh, indicative of probably the long-term battery life of this device and what a lot of reviewers were stating. And that's pretty wild. I mean, 48 hours off charger, wearing the Apple Watch Ultra and still have 28% battery left. No low power mode, no battery efficiency. That's coming in a software update later this fall. So just straight out of the box, 20% of 48 hours, pretty good. I, I was impressed by that. But does it, I mean, you're obviously doing this to test the battery life. Do you find now that actually the Ultra has replaced your Series 7? You're just always going to wear this. I am still holding my Series 7 and not giving it away to Me. my spouse or children just yet. Because I am curious the long-term comfortability. And also this, the screen is very different. That is one of the biggest things that have gotten used to is the screen is flat. You know, Series 7, Series 6, it has that curved glass mm -hmm. over the edge. Especially if you have a Series 7, the display was enlarged and it takes advantage of that curvature on watch faces like the Contour watch face and others. So having a very flat watch face, I mean, there is no curvature to the Sapphire display. I mean, it is flat. And then the titanium lip around the edge, which is very, very slight, but there's a tiny lip of the titanium on the edge of the display. It's a different look. And it is a larger display than even the Series 7. So I have come to kind of like the flat display. I'm down with that. Although some of the scaling and sizing feels a little weird. Because if you use a face that you used with your Series 7, like I typically use a modular watch face while I'm working, one that has the calendar event in the middle and then three complications underneath it. That same modular face on the Series 7 looks a little sparse on the Ultra. It feels like there's more space between complications, that maybe it's a little a waste of space. Mm. And I wish we had more watch faces made specifically for the Ultra. I tried the Wayfinder face where you can have like 12 complications. That's not right. It's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I think you can have eight to nine complications on the Wayfinder face, but I, I don't care for that busy of a face. I also don't prefer an analog clock on my Apple Watch. I prefer the digital. So the scaling and some of that is a little wonky. Stuff is bigger because it's a bigger display, but I feel like there should be some modular and other watch faces specifically tailored to the Apple Watch Ultra. And maybe that could just be in a software update where modular duo and the other modular faces display differently on the Ultra than it does on Series 7 and Olders and even Series 8. So that's been a weird thing to get used to with the display. I'm curious about the thing you said you swapped bands for comfort while uh, sleeping. Apart from this, I don't know, the size and, and the way they fit together, is there anything special about the, the band that came with it that means if you now went doing your 40 meter scuba dives or something, that you could <laughs> actually damage the band? The watch should be fine, but the band you've chosen would be poor. No, well, I think the Ocean Band specifically is made to go over something like a wetsuit. Uh -huh. And so the, the Ocean Band that I got, it has these ridges where you not only have a clasp, like a typical watch band, but there's another loop that goes around and holds the end tight to the, the other side of the band. It's hard to explain. If you look online, you know, you can kind of see what I'm talking about. But it's to, it's to hold it tight over something like a wetsuit, and then you can readjust when you put it on your actual wrist. I don't think there's any downside to wearing the ocean band when you're not ocean wetsuiting, <laughs> when you're not diving. Mm. And there's no disadvantage to using the solo loops. I find a lot of the solo loops actually look just fine. They don't look out of place. They don't look too small for the Apple Watch Ultra. They look great. I'm, I'm wearing a green solo loop right now. I used some braided solo loops also, and they all fit great. They look great. So I'm actually leaning more towards 
just continuing to use my solo loop. I did have a Alpine loop coming, which is like the hook clasp for that Apple Watch Ultra specific band. I don't know if I'll keep it because I actually find myself just sticking with the solo loops. But this, uh, if this is going to be the watch you wear all the time, this raises the issue. My previous concerns about your close to self-harming habit of smashing your watch into... <laughs> kitchen surfaces and things like that have you yeah. been any more careful with this one <laughs> I, there's been memes now on twitter of people uh sh trying to picture me walking through doorways and just flailing my arms which i love <laughs> and i appreciate and would love to see way more of that's great that's great yes. I, I've, sp I've spoken before about my weird habit of hitting my apple watch on doorways as i walk through them I don't know what the deal is. We have normal sized doorways and I have done it now with the Apple Watch Ultra. I have dinged it on at least one doorway Ouch! because it's lar It's larger. I mean, it's a larger Apple Watch. And I looked closely at all the titanium around to see was anything harmed. And I see no, no scratches, no nicks. I really see nothing on the Apple Watch Ultra. What about on the, the door frame? Did that survive as well? Well, oh, the door fell. There's no more door there. It just completely came off the hinges. Okay, fair enough. Right. Yeah. No, no, no. The, the, actually, I didn't even look at the door frame. I don't even care. You know, I just, I just looked at the Apple Watch. So I, I did not see any damage on the doorway. It seems to be durable. And I did take it for a swim. I, I did not go scuba diving, but I did take it in my pool for a while to test A, the depth app, and also the water resistance. You can go down a hundred something meters. So it's not like I was going to test that. Mm. But the depth app does automatically launch when the Apple Watch is submerged. You don't have to open the application or program it to the action button, which is pretty cool. As soon as that watch is in water for a certain amount of time, it will launch the depth app and tell you how deep you are and the temperature of the water. I swam to the bottom of my pool, which is about five or six feet, and the Apple Watch Ultra measured it all the way down. I was able to see five feet on the depth app, which was pretty cool. And then you can actually go back and see the information on your last dive. So you can go back and see what the depth was that was measured and the water temperature. You can go back to the depth app. So I'm just thinking if your wife wore this and jumped in, you'd be able to see how deep is your love. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Okay. That pun, right. that was a top shelf pun. <laughs> that was incredible. Top tier. Right? <laughs> okay. that, that, that was, uh, I'm glad you did that in the new microphone. That, that, right. that was something. Anyway, uh, um, <laughs> serious thing. We've learned here that your house has a swimming pool yes. and that my house has door frames that I like to keep. So uh, let's, let's all go around to your place. Okay. This episode is brought to you by Fast Growing Trees. I don't know about you, but I spend time trying to make my house feel like a home, both indoors and outside. And that's why I love Fast Growing Trees. The expert at Fast Growing Trees curate thousands of plants so you can find the perfect fit for your specific climate, location, and needs. I love that when you go to their website, you put in your region, and it will tell you what plants will thrive where you live. That's important. And you don't have to drive around to nurseries and big gardening centers. That's one of the most annoying things about buying plants. You go to the hardware store, and your car gets all dirty as you're trying to carry these plants and trees back and forth. Never do that again. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped to your door in one to two days. Super simple. Whether you're looking to add privacy, shade, or natural beauty to your yard, Fast Growing Trees has in-house experts ready to help you make the right selection with growing and care advice available 24-7. I've gotten several plants from Fast Growing Trees. I got a persimmon tree and a Carolina Reaper bush. We actually grew a Carolina Reaper pepper and used those in some fajitas. So it's a fun you can do it with your kids and family. Plus you make your yard look great. 
Even if you've never had a green thumb, they'll make you feel like you do, just like over 1 million happy, fast-growing trees customers across the country. Plus, with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, you can trust everything will be healthy for years to come. So go to fastgrowingtrees.com slash appleinsider, and you'll get 15% off your entire order now through October 15th. Get 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com slash appleinsider. That's fastgrowingtrees.com slash appleinsider for 15% off. That link is also in the episode show notes. Our thanks to Fast Growing Trees for sponsoring this episode and our friends at Magic Lasso Adblock. Do you want a better browsing experience in Safari on your iPhone, your iPad, and your Mac? Then download Magic Lasso Adblock. It's an ad blocker designed for you. It's easy to set up, blocks YouTube ads, and even doubles the speed at which Safari loads. Magic Lasso is an efficient, high-performance, and free ad blocker. It's got over 4,000 five-star reviews. It's simply the best ad blocker for your devices. I've used Magic Lasso Adblock for years, really long before they sponsored this episode, and it's my favorite ad blocker. It blocks all intrusive ads, trackers, annoyances, letting you experience a faster, cleaner, and more secure web browsing experience. And unlike some other ad blockers, Magic Lasso respects your privacy. This is important. It doesn't accept payment from advertisers. That's a big deal. You can trust that Magic Lasso is not selling your data to advertisers. So stop being followed by ads around the web, block all ad trackers, ensuring your browsing history is not harvested by ad networks. And the app now also blocks over 10 types of YouTube ads, including video ads, banner ads, search ads, and suggested product ads. So join over 200,000 users and download Magic Lasso Adblock for free from the App Store. And as a special offer for Apple Insider listeners, you can go to magiclasso.co slash appleinsider and receive one month free access to all the app's pro features, and you can see how good it is to use. That's magiclasso.co slash appleinsider to receive one month free pro access. And that link is in the show notes as well. Our thanks to Magic Lasso Adblock for their support of the Apple Insider podcast. I do find previously in watchOS 8 and earlier, this is not an Apple Watch Ultra thing, this is a software thing. Once you submerged your Apple Watch, in order to interact with it again, you had to eject the water. Mm. And in watchOS 8 and earlier, ejecting the water was done by scrolling the digital crown a few times, and it would make a sound and then eject whatever water. Then you could use your Apple Watch like normal. Since watchOS 9, I've noticed both on my Series 7 and Apple Watch Ultra, that behavior is now you have to hold the digital crown in order to eject water, which is seems like a much longer process yeah. and kind of less intuitive to just do naturally. I, I just naturally want to scroll it. So I'm not crazy about that behavior change. And that was a software thing that changed on my Series 7 also. So I'm hoping maybe they backtrack that. So overall, though, I, I do really like it. I like the look of it. The orange button, I don't think really detracts from from the look. It is, you know, not super bright, especially just a normal household lighting. I like the flat watch face. I like the larger screen. I went grocery shopping with it, which was a very adventurous activity. Uh, it may not be like rock climbing, but huh. I mean, grocery shopping, come on. Hey, aisle nine, come on. <laughs> Some dangerous stuff goes down there. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. It could be spills. You got to make check <laughs> the eggs, make sure none are cracked. But yes, uh, also shout out to Basic Apple Guy because he keeps tweeting these like custom watch workouts. He's like photoshopping it to look like carrying groceries and pre-ordering the iPhone 14. And <laughs> they're really excellent. So you should go to basicappleguy.com and check those out. Uh, one thought, though, uh, you had a Series 7, you've now got the Ultra. Was this purely for you know, work purposes, or is it? do you think next year you'll go for Ultra 2 or Series 9? Are you planning to change every year? That is a good question. 
one, I, I think I do like the Ultra for my wrist, for my aesthetic. I like it better than the series, I think. It just feels good. And so I like the style. I'm hoping that the Ultra maybe doesn't get the annual cycle like the series versions, because I, I imagine this will be like an every other year upgrade. And frankly, I would rather be on that kind of upgrade cycle than the every year series, which really has minimal changes yeah. from year to year. I can tell you, I went from series zero to series four to series seven, and those were really good leaps every time. So absolutely, uh, I actually wasn't tempted by the series eight. All of my hesitation has been over the iPhone 14 Pro. <laughs> right. And because the Apple Watch Ultra has such incredible battery, you will most likely be able to keep it for a longer time, two, three, even four years. And obviously the battery will degrade, but getting through a day will probably not be an issue for years to come. Goodness. So I'm excited for that. I would be good upgrading that cycle. And also I actually preferred, I know this is a high end taste thing, but I actually liked the titanium material because I like the Sapphire display. And I feel the titanium doesn't show scratches as much as the stainless steel. And they've taken away that option from the Series 8. You cannot get a titanium Series 8. It's only steel or aluminum. So if I want to stick with titanium and I actually like the Ultra and it's only upgraded every other year, I'd be totally down for that and stick to the Ultra cycle as opposed to the Series cycle. You're saying that about the battery makes me realize that I think the resale value of the watch is going to be uh, higher for longer. Oh, yeah, then, isn't it? I think so. No, I had not thought of that. One of the things I did debate, you know, now whenever you choose Apple Care Plus, there is this option to do the two years paid up front or the monthly pay for as long as you like. Yeah. And I was a little torn, actually, because I feel like the Apple Watch Ultra, after two years, the battery is still going to be great. If it's as durable as they say, nothing's probably going to happen to it. And I almost feel like is, is the two year Apple Care Plus going to be used at all? Will I be able to get the battery replaced at the end of two years, if it's still pretty good, or would that monthly would have been better and just pay for it for as long as I keep this model Apple Watch? So I was a little torn on that. Do you have you bought Apple Care Plus ever on that monthly cycle, or have you ever made that decision? No. Every time I get a device, I look into Apple Care, and it's a very, very fine line between whether it's worth it or not. Particularly since I don't seem to smash my watch anywhere near as much as you do, and in <laughs> 15 years, I've had one screen crack. So for me, you you're taking a gamble when you don't go for it. But um, I've never been quite tempted enough based on the sums until they move to the monthly option then I, I have reconsidered but it's like i'm still reconsidering uh quite a long time afterwards but uh, mm -hmm. yes which way did you decide on the end that's the key thing for me uh, well in the moment i was trying to order quickly because it you know went up for sale right after the keynote ended and so i chose the two year because i already have several devices on the monthly plan one oh. is my son's iphone 13 which I wanted Apple Care for as long as he had it, sure. and he would probably have it for more than two years. And I did my Series 7 with the monthly because I thought this might be my Apple Watch for the next few years <laughs> because mm. the Series 7 was the kind of first display upgrade in a number of years. The chip was largely going to be the same. And so now I'm in this conundrum of should I cancel Apple Care on that Series 7, that monthly Apple Care, and give it to someone else? Do I keep paying it? because I'm giving it to someone in my family. So I'm actually unsure. I, yeah. I'm not sure what to do there. That's Have you uh, needed Apple Care much? Has it helped you out? Well, my iPad mini, when I filmed with the pilot. Oh gosh, yes, sorry, yes. Oh. <laughs> I got that whole replacement, so that was nice. And then also, this relates to my Apple Store experience. AirPods Pro 3, I had gotten my son a pair of those when they came out earlier this year, and there was a hardware issue with them. 
This might have been covered even if I didn't get Apple Care Plus on it, but when I went to the Apple Store, they replaced both of the AirPods 3 themselves free of charge because there was actually a hardware issue found. They might have done that without Apple Care, but knowing I had Apple Care, I felt confident going to the Apple Store and it was an easy replacement. So hmm. I still use it periodically and enough where I, I like to have it. Have you ever used I mean, when was the last time you used Apple Care? I'm pretty sure I never have. Really? Uh, I'm trying to remember. I did have an AirPods Pro incident, um, and it was a, obviously a hardware fault. And I remember spending a long time on the phone to Apple Sport, and it turned out that I'd bought it 51 weeks before, <laughs> and they replaced them all for it. But that was under the kind of regular warranty, not a, an extra one. Right. I don't buy as much Apple gear as you do, although everybody I know thinks I do. You just must buy everything. <laughs> okay. Maybe, maybe. I don't know. And I just – I have actually used it on a phone – twice not recently but in the past and so just those past experiences I, I still get it is there a local apple store you could move into while the hurricane is going by <laughs> there's one in a in a mall here in brandon florida that's wow. that's the one i go to when i have to go in the store so i could hunker down there yeah so yeah. we'll see last thing i'll say about apple watch ultra there is a youtuber dc rainmaker i was not familiar with his channel until the apple watch ultra but he has some incredible videos he tested the depth gauge of apple watch ultra putting it in like this cylinder water container and then he has a device yeah. that can simulate the pressure as you were to dive deeper into the water he tested the apple watch ultra and the depth app stopped counting at 130 feet which i think might be close to 100 meters and so that is the limit that the Apple Watch Ultra will measure as far as depth. But when it comes to the piece of equipment that he was using to simulate depth and the Apple Watch Ultra, it was staying in sync and the measurements seemed to be very accurate. So that was pretty cool. And he also tested it on a 14-hour adventure hike. And he tested like the waypoint feature and backtrack. And it was really an incredible uh, video. 14 hours, like his exercise and move rings like went crazy at the end of the day. Like he shows it just <laughs> spinning around and around. And it was a very impressive, the amount of uh, move and, and exercise minutes he got. So he's got some great videos on Apple Watch Ultra. If you've already watched kind of the tech reviewers one and want kind of that outdoor adventurer type review, DC Rainmaker's got some great ones. Actually, I love uh, tech reviews for people who aren't tech reviewers. Yeah. Uh, there's a musician, that's so I've blanked on her name, Mary Richards, I think, but I know that's the lead character from the Mary Tyler Moore show. <laughs> uh, Mary Spender, that's it. Uh, she did re a guitarist and songwriter, did a review of the Mac Studio, and she, it was just so interesting because she was actually using it. Right. You know? So it was nothing about specification. It was, it did this and that didn't do that. And I, I found that stuff riveting. Although I'm also thinking, uh, what did you say this name, this future was? DC something? DC Rainmaker. Right. Uh, I can't decide whether to feel embarrassed about my lack of fitness or how dull and lazy my own YouTube channel appears in comparison. <laughs> William, you and I are just sitting in our offices recording. These guys are out here 14 hours hiking in the wilderness. Yeah, we're not... Well, no, you say there. that, but admittedly, I told you the truth that I just sit here for two weeks waiting to speak to you. But, you know, mentally, uh -huh. I'm, I'm doing a lot, really. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Yeah, I can't marry those two comments up can i the truth is out <laughs> all right no that's all right real quick i want to talk about airpods pro 2 did you get a pair of those by any chance no i really like my airpods pro um i'd love to hear some uh can, can you hear a difference in them do they sound better well this is tough because i haven't used my airpods pro in a while i actually gave those to one of my sons and i've used my airpods max or mm. my airpods 3 
But I did used to use the AirPods Pro all the time, especially during my adventurous activity of grocery shopping. I found that to be the ideal use case for my AirPods Pro 2. And so I've, I've been using the AirPods Pro 2 a lot since getting them on Friday. The first thing, if you haven't seen this, if you get them engraved, if you get AirPods Pro 2 engraved on the case, whatever you get engraved, when you pair it with the iPhone, and then anytime you open the case near your iPhone and that card slides up from the bottom, the engraving of your case actually appears on your iPhone screen in that card. Goodness. And it is really cool. I mean, that's a really nice touch. Apparently, Parker Solani, he works for The Verge, he bought a pair of AirPods Pro 2 from the Fifth Avenue Apple Store in New York City, and they actually do in-person engraving. So you can buy the pair in the store and they will engrave them for you. Wow. But when you do that in store, apparently his engraving did not appear when he paired his AirPods Pro 2 with his iPhone. So something about getting them engraved online, whatever programming they have to do to the case, I imagine, to signal to the phone what the engraving is and to display it. Apparently, it doesn't work with in-person store engravings. You have to order them online. But it is a very nice touch. Very cool. Now, when it comes to sound quality, uh, again, I've been wearing them. AirPods Pro sound great. I mean, the originals sound great. AirPods Pro 2 sounds incredible. They sound really good. When it comes to the noise canceling, I do think that it is noticeably improved over the original model. I used to wear my AirPods Pro all the time in a grocery store. It was great at cutting out all that background noise and grocery stores, lots of stuff, you know, people talking, announcements over the speakers. And when I enabled noise cancellation on these, I mean, it went silent. Like I really could not hear much around me at all, except if there was like kind of a rogue loud sound uh, apart from just the drone of grocery store. And it was really good. And using it at home as well, noise cancellation is very, very good. Can I measure if it's two times better? That's what Apple claims. You know, I'm not sure, but I will say it is very good. So if you want noise canceling wireless earbuds, I mean, AirPods Pro 2 are excellent. And I will also say the transparency mode of AirPods Pro 2, I also think is vastly improved. There is that feature where transparency mode will still eliminate loud sounds like a construction or jackhammer or something. But just sitting in my living room, enabling transparency mode, it felt like I didn't have anything in my ears. And that was not the case with the original AirPods Pro or even my AirPods Max. If I have transparency mode enabled on those, it feels like the audio from the room is being filtered through headphones and then replayed to my ears. But on the AirPods Pro 2, something about the transparency mode and the seal in my ear it sounded like there was nothing in my ears and it was pretty wild. I had to look, they're still in my ears, right? So transparency mode, vastly improved. Noise cancellation is really, really good. Of course, the case has all the improvements like the precision find my, the little lanyard loop. So they're really good. Oh, and last thing, the tips on AirPods Pro. With the first generation, they would not stay in my ear very well, especially when I was grocery shopping. I know it's my, my main example here <laughs> when I'll be grocery shopping. I'm starting to think this is a euphemism for something, but okay. No, it, yeah. it, it is not. I took a picture and tweeted it of me in the grocery store in my Apple Watch Ultra. Totally legit. Yeah, that, that's not suspicious at all. You just decided I need some evidence proof. Yeah. No, okay. no, no. It's I do it for real. Uh, I, I grocery shop every week. But the tips of AirPods Pro 2... Previously, I had to use the Comply foam ear tips, which are very good. They're like an ear foam or earplug style material that will expand after you pinch them. And they would keep the AirPods Pro first generation in my ears really well. I still had those ready to try on AirPods Pro 2. But something about the silicone that they have put on these AirPods Pro 2 tips, I don't know if it changed at all or the sizing is slightly different. You do get an extra small size this year with AirPods Pro 2, but they stay in my ear solid. 
And even when I go to take them out, I never experienced this before, but taking the AirPods Pro 2 out of my ear, the silicone would actually kind of flip inside out as it was grabbing my ear as I pulled it out, which I know sounds kind of gross, but I just, I was impressed by the amount of grip that it had inside my ear and it kept it in my ear. It never felt like it was falling out, walking around, you know, doing groceries and moving the groceries from the cart, whatever. And so really impressed by that. If you felt like AirPods Pro first generation fell out of your ear, or maybe it made you feel swimmingly with the noise cancellation. I know a lot of people experience that kind of feeling. AirPods Pro 2, really, really great. Uh, actually, there's one thing you missed. Oh, yeah. That's an amazing new Mac Pro, isn't it? And they brought it out in blue. Okay. Just. <laughs> oh, it took me a second there. Yeah. It took me a second. That was one of those random <laughs> things I can interject, right? Yes. That's, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. I was like, I don't think I missed something that big. I would have got a notification or <laughs> no. something. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Thank you for that. I know William is very excited about this. We already have rumors for the iPhone. 15. Yes. I mean, this is what you were clamoring for, I believe. You just couldn't wait. Yeah, I'm holding out for the 16. Let's go for that. Yeah, got, got <laughs> so, anything for me on the 16? No, I'm mentioning no. this only because it's <laughs> crazy that the iPhone 14 just came out. And Majin Buu on Twitter, he's a leaker. Yeah, forget his track record. I mean, I think he has some accurate things. But he is claiming iPhone 15. Next year, we'll have two front-facing cameras and USB-C. There you go. That's the leak. Right. That's the rumor. I, I'm hearing, I mean, I can't reveal my sources, but I strongly suspect the iPhone 15 will let you make phone calls. That That's what I think yeah. is going to go down. I think that's yeah. accurate. That's the new feature. Well, last thing before we go, I just wanted to mention, I went to the Apple store to get those AirPods replaced. The Genius Bar and everything was super smooth. They replaced the AirPods 3 with new ones, kept the case because the case had engraving, obviously, the issues with the actual AirPods. That was all very smooth. I appreciated that. Also, lots of Apple Watch Ultra like marketing around the store. All the posters were either iPhone 14, 14 Pro, or Apple Watch Ultra. Stock-wise, the Apple Store had plenty of iPhone 14s in stock, no iPhone 14 Pros, no Pros, no Pro Maxes, and no Apple Watch Ultras in stock either. All of that was out of stock. AirPods Pro 2, readily available, and some of the Ocean Bands and Alpine Bands are available also in the Apple Store but not the trail bands. They did not have any of those in store. They actually hadn't received any yet. It wasn't that they were just out of stock. But one situation I just want to recount, I was sitting at the Genius Bar table waiting for the AirPods servicing, and I overheard one of the Apple Store employees talking to someone in there to replace their iPhone. Something happened with their iPhone. I think it dropped or some kind of error. And so they were getting a new one. Somehow they were not aware of this, but the user had 16.1 beta running on their old iPhone. And the Apple Store employee was trying best he could to explain that with the new iPhone, once it restores, that it will not be able to restore the iCloud backups that have been done on her old iPhone running 16.1 because the new iPhone can only run 16.0. The employee seemed to not be able to say we can set this up and then install the beta again. Mm. I imagine Apple Store employees don't have that ability to say, yeah, let's just install the public beta. So I totally get that. But the person with the old iPhone really was struggling to understand why it wouldn't work, why her iCloud backup couldn't be restored on the new phone. And it was clear that she either had a techie friend or relative that installed that 16.1 beta and didn't really give her the full ramifications or story of running that beta. And so just hearing that whole exchange felt like, you know, a good reminder. You can run the betas if you're listening to this podcast. You probably know what you're getting into by doing that. But to install it on a friend or family device and like they don't really know what that means and they're not super techie 
and then they might have to remove the profile that gets installed on their device. I would really be cautious about that. That's actually the second situation that I've heard. I had another family friend who was having issues with cellular connectivity. I think it might have been related to eSIM and that transition, but they were running the 16.1 beta as well. Had no idea really that that was even a thing or that they were running it. So just a word of caution running betas. I would be careful installing it on friends and family devices, especially if you're not around them very much. Friends don't install betas on friends' phones. There we go. Fish are friends, not food. Right. Okay. Um, That's from Finding Nemo. Oh, okay. (laughs) Well, appropriately, I'd forgotten that. Okay. I mean, short-term kind of memory thing. Thank you. Well, William's going to record some random uh, reactions for you all, and uh, we will insert them as needed in this episode. But thank you again, William, for being flexible, recording early. Appreciate you doing that. No, thank you. And and take care there. I mean, seriously, it's a scary thing. We we will hunker down and, and I will live tweet updates. If it's not too dangerous, maybe I'll even do like a live stream and, and really test Apple Watch Ultra out there. I feel like since I tweeted it, I kind of put my foot in my mouth. But God, this is Twister all over again, isn't it? Don't do this. <laughs> okay. If I see a cow fly around the house, I'll go back inside, William, okay? Yeah, you and Helen Hunt hanging onto a pipe with your watch strap. It just... <laughs> yeah. That watch strap would not have held. I, I, that is one of the... <laughs> <laughs> Great plot holes there. But uh, I did enjoy that movie. I watched that movie a lot. Yes, so did I. Yes. It's a pretty good movie. But yes, I'll tweet. Thank you all for your concern. And of course, if you enjoy the show, give us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. You can support the show, get early access and an ad-free version. You can do that in Apple Podcasts or at patreon.com slash Apple Insider. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time.